G'day guys and welcome back to the Campbell's Gambles podcast for another week, episode eight. Don't know how we've made it this far, but anyway, let me introduce my co-host Blake. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Jason. Good to be back. Another week. Another day, another dollar. Just like this podcast. (laughs) Um, As always, we go back to last week, Saturday Review. Um, Again, we we don't like tooting our horn on this uh, podcast, but once again, once again, Blake, two from two, best bets. Me and you, bang, bang, killed it. Firing on all cylinders, Jace. That's it. Mask Crusader, man. I was I was up and about in my lounge room. I was throwing things, screaming. When I seen him get that inside run, <laughs> he smacks on the bum and he was he was just flying, absolutely flying. Yeah. Very exciting. No, ride of the day, T-Berry. Three votes, T-Berry. If he goes around horses, Mask Crusader probably doesn't catch stand out there, but... He took his Definitely. chance. He almost had slaughter of the day if he didn't get out. <laughs> but you, know, you got to ride your luck and he rode his luck to victory. I thought Kulin Gadda was very, very, very impressive. And Blake was all over her in the in the golden slipper market. And I was like, mm. you know, hold your horses. But then on review and looking at some of the ratings, some of the very expert um, form judges came out with, she actually rated better than Anthar last year, and it was one of the best two-year-old ratings um, on history in history. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw that watching watching the race. I saw the times as soon as the race finished, and I was straight onto it. I was like, no, nah, there's no way I'm letting this horse at 11s for the for the slipper. Like, you know, there's a lot of water to still go under the bridge until then. But if you're taking double figures about a horse that wins like that on debut, you're laughing. You honestly laugh because she won't be she won't be anywhere near eleven bucks come the slipper as long as you know everything goes to plan. So yeah, no, she'll probably start favouring that race unless something else comes out and just absolutely goes gangbusters because she was dead set like one point five seconds faster than the boys on the same day, and there was Mm -hmm. a very nice winner in that race. I forgot his name, but Sajardin or something for Portelli. But you know he looked good visually, but times wise, nowhere near her. Anyway um incentivize very elegant um we were both wrong on this this front um i guess mm. the wash up came out very elegant actually had nothing go wrong with her so um I, I don't know there was no nothing in the vet report um do you have any uh ideas what happened there uh i mean yeah, there's there's plenty of places you can poke the stick i guess um but if if i had to I guess potentially make one excuse for it. It'd just be the fact that she came out of that tough run on the, you know, that bog track at, at Ramwick. Like it says, you read the form guide, it says soft, but that like that track was just horrible on that day that she uh she snuck up the rail there and and it was a very, very tough run, like sort of sprint to the line there. So I mean, you can you can try and make as many excuses as you want. She didn't win. Um, but then again, she's still for me one of the best in Australia, and I'm sure she'll bounce back in yeah. you know coming races this prep. So, no, it for me it's very easy to forgive, but it's going to be very hard to forget. That's got to be in the back of my mind in these upcoming races. That she, in my opinion, had every chance possible. If anything, incentivized should have been the one feeling the pinch late, um, because he was. If you look at the times out of that race, he was the one that was getting battered at the front from 
Mount Popper and horses that were just taking him on. Um, and, and he was breathtaking, really. Like, it, if he's not the next big thing in, in Australian racing, then I don't really know what is because he's still got improvement to come and he's only got to get better the, the further the trips go. So, you know, he could be anything. Um, Private Eye. Private Eye won the group one, as did Montefilia. Um, out of the two, which one was uh, more impressive? Well, I don't, I don't really want to speak too much about Private Eye because, <laughs> because now, now I've got a, now you know, I've, I've had face. both sides, of, I've had both sides of the coin with him because um, you know, obviously I was extremely keen on him first up over the twelve hundred meters, and I just was completely in love with him from his his previous preparation. And then the only thing I really had against him for this race was the 1600 meters, which he had, had no dramas with at all. So uh, yeah, a bit, bit sour for me, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really, really great race. And you, Jason, you were, you were all over it, mate. Arameo and, and Balasan running second and third spewing. You didn't get the win, but still. I didn't get the, didn't get the winner. So it didn't really matter, but yeah, I thought uh, as soon as Arameo got the gap at around the 200, I'm thinking, bye-bye, we're, we're home here. But uh, And then I, I was getting pissed off at myself. I'm like, I can't believe I didn't tip this horse at 12 to 1. And then I see this big green and black thing coming down the outside. I'm thinking, oh, right, <laughs> private eye. There's the one horse I left out of my bloody trifecta. I'm not, oh, sorry, my first four. I had him in my trifecta, then my first four. But I, I had Dallasan. I, 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 you know, I, I just think Dallasan such a good group one handicap horse he's proven that time and time again i'm always surprised when he goes around you know 15 20 because he shouldn't doesn't deserve to be that price he, he did it the tough way there he was three wide yeah definitely, definitely. and um anyway yeah, well mawunga was the same mawunga yeah. was just absolutely posted and ran fifth with wherever he goes next, like, wherever he goes next he's get on i'd say he's probably a they probably try the golden eagle with him i'd say back to 1500 mm. meters so that's he's probably yeah let's go but um yeah, that was a huge yeah. effort. The, the weight was massive, really massive concern, but but yeah, it was, it was a huge yeah. run. Um, regardless, enough about last week. Let's head to this week, Blake. Our first race that we're going to be covering is at Randwick. Uh, track assessments. 26 degrees. Very hot day today, but 26 degrees on Saturday. Uh, the wind, nothing really to note wind-wise. Rails out five metres, and the track currently is a good four. Um, obviously probably some irrigation to go on there in the next couple of days but you know mm. um if it if it dries out could get to a good three um just quickly any any track bias expected uh look last weekend we we saw the bias sort of start to even out a bit um i know that i've been repeating every week on this podcast that we see you know leaders getting all favors in at most tracks and, and particularly Randwick in, in recent times, I think with sort of the amount of traffic that's going on the track now, you'll potentially start to see a little bit less of that bias, um, you know, as the inside starts to just chop up a little bit and get a little bit more traffic over it. Like they're, they're going, they're basically backing up on, on the track this weekend. So um, it, it obviously gives the, the track less time to recover. And the other thing as well is, Although it won't rain and potentially will dry the track out, at least it's predictable. So they'll they'll know exactly how much water they want to put on the track at, to keep it, you know, in that perfect range. Um, so if, you know, fingers crossed. But you know, you'd hope that they um, they get that right and the track is in in like tip top condition on Saturday in terms of how wet it is, how dry it is. So I'm I'm thinking it's going to be pretty even. What about you, Jace? 
Yeah, I think what you just said in regards to the rail, um, not that you didn't even say about the rail, you're talking about the track bias, sorry. I'm, I think a good factor that the track is obviously chopped out is the rail going out five metres. That's a pretty big move. From a true position to a five metre move, that, that just shows that the inside part of the track last week was very dodge because um, they normally only go out like two or three metres. You know, five metres, mm. that's a pretty big jump, especially... Yeah. I don't know if they've got meetings to come. I haven't really looked, but I, I don't know they have Everest Day. So that, that, that might be a factor too, actually, because they've probably got to get yeah. back in the proof Everest Day next week. But um, yeah. I don't know. I think Randwick's a very fair track, um, but that's just my personal opinion. I think Rose Hill's more of the leader bias track. Um, yeah. Anyway, regardless, race eight will be the first race or the first and only race that we'll be covering at Randwick. The Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes for the three-year-olds over 2,000 metres. A uh, bit of a battle at the top of the market here currently with Profondo and Head of States holding favouritism. Um, whose corner are you in? Well, I think like you, I've, I've had a bit of a hint from from seeing your uh, selection, Jason, but I think we're both in the camp of Head of State here. Um, now, I'm not sure your reasoning, but I'm, I'm guessing it'd be fairly similar to mine. The reasoning is just his pure dominance last time as well as the fact that Profondo was just all over the track and, and green as grass. Um, I can't trust Profondo. I, I looked to see if there were any gear changes or any of that sort of stuff going on to potentially convince me a little bit more. I, you know, I trust that the horse is, has ability, but going from the 1800 up to the 2000 with that, you know, is, is an absolute head case at the moment. So, um, you know, everyone saw last start that he, he pretty much, blew the win he, he potentially could have won it would have been a lot closer had he not almost run straight into the rail so um <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm sticking with head of state off that win because it was it was absolute dominance like he stormed from back in the field he goes up the extra 200 meters it looks like he'll handle it fine and he's the one who's got the maturity and uh you know knows how to handle his racing at this stage so that's the way i'm leaning yeah, I'm actually opposite in thinking towards you. I'm more worried about Profondo due to that greenness. And I think in time, he's going to be the best horse in this race. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious. Maybe Beno, um, Richie Beno, shout out to Richie. I think it was, I think it was his birthday yesterday. Um, he's passed away now, obviously, but great commentator. Um, but um, yeah, I'm worried about Profondo because of his greenness. Uh, I think if he was able to basically get it all out of him on race day, then, then he's probably better than head of state. But the reason why I'm with head of state is because it was a very slowly run race on a day where it was very important to be up and in. And what I mean by that is up near the rail and up near the speed. Well, on the rail, up near the speed. Profondo wasn't on the rail, but he was box setting the whole race. Um, I think they went about five or six lengths slower to the 200 meters average times. Profondo was there, he was traveling to win the race, whereas Head of State was back in the field, had no right to win from where he was. There, not even um, what's he, not even Animo won from that exact same position in the group one against in the Congo. So I just think Head of State, the sectionals he ran to beat um, Profondo, dead set like a second faster than Profondo in that last 600 meters. That, that's you know a good five or six lengths faster. So I think that's the main thing. Obviously, the spring champion, my, one of my favorite races. Sort of, it's, it's a race where... Uh, I don't know. I find it very easy to find winners. I, I I'll be surprised if one of my two selections don't win the race personally. Um, obviously, the Gloaming is one of the main lead-up races. I think seven of the last 10 winners are out of this race. Um, also, 
Montefilia last year was a filly that came through the flight stakes to actually win this race. Um, however, never been kissed, $5 in the market. That's toxic for me. That's big time under. Because yeah. yeah. she was 50 to 1 to win last week. She was in the perfect spot to win that race. She didn't. She wasn't really strong to align, sexually speaking. And 1,600 metres up to 2,000 metres. You know, I know she's got, I know the stable's flying and she's got that, you know, Gay Waterhouse, you know, special touch on her currently. But, you know, I think that's a $5 in this market. Like, come on, that's ridiculous now. But Yeah, not backing up for a three-year-old filly either. That's, yeah. that's a... I think Montefilia was the one-off because everyone knew Montefilia was going to be the next big thing. Um, and everyone had Montefilia marked down as the Oaks filly over the 2,500 at Flemington. So the 2,000 metres was, was only going to be a benefit to her. And even Montefilia last year was almost caught on the line by Lions Raw, I think it was. So, um, yeah. and, you know, never been kissed is nowhere near Montefilia's level. It's, you know, if never been kissed wins another group one, then I'd be a bit surprised. Oh, maybe not that far. I might be a bit brutal, but she was there to win that race the other day. Uh, the other one I like is Allegron. I think... This gelding, he's bred to stay, being out of Alleg uh, Allegria, whatever her name is. She came second over the 2,600 metres. I forgot what race it was, but she, she had a really good staying career. She had a, re she had a really good career herself. Um, and Allegron's been okay behind him. I think the main thing of Allegron is going from barrier nine to barrier two. Um, he's not a horse that can sit fully forward. And he's a bit tardy out, but if he was, if he was to jump cleanly, he's a horse that can sit midfield. And that barrier too, he wasn't on the rails last time. He was three wide with cover. But that being wide on Rose Hill that day was a massive disadvantage. 2,000 metres start at Randwick's also on a bend. So I think barrier two, he could be the one that just gets a soft run. He's not as good as Profondo and head of state, but I reckon he can run into the placings. Um, is that all for you, Blake? Or do you have one you want to talk I about? I know. That, well, there's... I mean, the, I'm, I'm mainly focused on head of state here. I think he's going to be very, very hard to beat based on what he's done. Um, but... There are two other horses that I, I do uh, want to want to mention and will be sort of looking to play around. Uh, one is uh, Benno. You mentioned earlier. The horse is very, very lightly raced. He's only had two runs. And that run where he finished third uh, behind head of state, uh, in my opinion, was uh, the second best run behind head of state in terms of the way he finished off. I like the fact that it took him a little bit of time to find the gap and he had to sort of, he was a little bit argy-bargy with Allegron actually coming around the turn. But as soon as he actually, you know, got that clear room, he did, you know, sort of pick up a little bit and that extra 200 metres now, um, you know, plus barrier seven, it's a, it's a better draw than barrier 10, but he's going to have plenty of room, you'd assume, you know, he'll, he'll be midfield somewhere. I don't think it'll be too bad to be, you know, uh, one pair, uh, one horse width off the rail or two horse widths off the rail uh, in such a big field. So I, I think he's the one that just has that little bit of upside, potentially third up, you know, he's very lightly raced. There's um, there's that potential there for him. And then there's, there's another horse, big, big, big odds, satirical glory Juicy. coming out of the same race. This is, this is going to be a very, very speculative bet for me uh, potentially it depends how he looks on, on race day. I haven't, I haven't, I can't remember what he looked like uh, from that last race, but he's got barrier six this time and he had barrier 11 last time. He was a hundred, he was $101, but from, from barrier 11 last time over the 1800, he actually jumped on terms with the rest of the field and then was just completely restrained, like right back to dead last, like a few lengths dead last. 
uh, by Cliverton. And he's he's riding again this time, but with barrier six, I expect the that that he'll be a little bit more positive and try and hold a little bit of a better position. And if he settles midfield somewhere, the way that he finished off last time when he actually got a little bit of room, you could tell coming around the turn last time that Clipperton was just looking for a little bit of a gap to to sort of you know give the horse the cue to go. And and that gap didn't really appear until they were well into the straight. But when it did, he actually did find quite a bit in in that um in that you know last 200 meters that run home so it, at 41 dollars you can't really go wrong like you're not really going to lose much um you can't you don't have to risk risk too much to to potentially get a big uh big win if he if he does uh hit the line well up to the 2000 meters but yeah he's he's one of big odds that i'd just be having a little bit of a play around potentially on the day Beautiful. All right, that's our take for the Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes at Randwick. Great race. Can't wait for it. Uh, we're going to head to our TikTok competition once again. Uh, this week, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to do a competition called Pick the Double. And what I mean by that is our upcoming races that will be featuring on this podcast, the Caulfield Guineas and the Two-Rack Handicap. So basically, um, people that enter this competition need to pick both winners in that race. Uh, $1,000 in prizes to the winner. Uh, if there are multiple winners, the prize will be split between X amount of winners. Follow the steps on this TikTok. Terms and conditions are on our social medias at Campbell's Gambles on Facebook and Instagram. And also disclaimer, if no one wins, then there'll be no prize. So that's it, guys. Enter the comp. Um, and yeah. Around it. Yeah. Can't wait for it. But um, you got to hear my voice again. It's, uh, I've got to really move this TikTok comp somewhere else. But anyway, we're going <laughs> to... We've got to um, double my voice. JC Trial Files, we're back for another week. Um, I feel like I've earned the right to uh, go searching in places that I don't normally search to, just just through, the, <laughs> just through the sheer form that I've been producing. Absolute stallion effort. But um, we've got to go to Eagle Farm. I'm going to use up my frequent flyer points and catch the Qantas up there now that lockdown's been lifted, oh, very shortly. Um, Saturday, race two, number three, Palazzo Spirits. Um, so what can I tell you about this two-year-old cult? I uh, thought he trialed really well. Um, when was it? Two trials back. Um, he came third to a horse called Mashani Warfare, who's actually in this race. However, he wasn't pushed along, whereas Mashani Warfare was. He was doing it under his own steam. Um, and his recent trial um, on the 28th of September was absolutely off the charts, in my opinion. He led for fun. Um he was doing it under his own steam once again. He travels so well into the race. He was actually accepted in the race last week, Doom two-year-old race, but he drew wide and there was a wide track. Oh, I was a wet track, sorry. So they obviously scratched him from that race, which shows me the team really do want to get a win from him on debut. Um, he's very well bred, being out of the spirit of boom. Palazzo Publico, she was a very good horse for Maddie Smith. She won two race, two listed races. I think one at Flemington over 1,200, another race um, at Randwick over 1,100 or something like that or or Wyong or somewhere, but she was she was really good. And um, I think the main danger is obviously the top weight. He was very raw in his trial. Blinkers go on. So that, and Maloney for the guys, hard enough to beat. But Palazzo Spirit is already 240 into about $1.90. Uh, I've been tipped off by the senior. I'm not sure if the senior is listening to this, but he told me about this horse about three or four weeks ago. So um, yeah, so take what you will. I am on. Blake, over to you, sir. Beauty, beauty. Thanks, Jason. All right. So uh, for Hong Kong, obviously last night we we had an absolute ripper of a night. Um, Fill up. We had the, 
the best bet getting up in the first and then bookend the card. We had the the next best getting up in the last, both for Marrera, both led and one pretty so, uh, pretty soft in the end. So that was great to see. Um, we're going to Shatin on Sunday. And I mean, overall, this card's not too exciting. It's obviously, for me, it's, all, it's always exciting in Hong Kong, but um, but it's a it's a heavy all weather meeting. That I think about half the card is all weather races, so uh, not the best betting proposition in my opinion. And I, I always find a little bit harder on on the all weather just because it's a little bit less volume, a little bit less uh, fewer races on on the all weather track. But uh, regardless, we got race six, uh, number eleven, Breeze of Spring. So race six is is a turf race, and Joe Marrera's booked for uh, for this horse. Now he is drawn barrier two, I believe. He's drawn quite well, and um, I was I backed Voyage Voyage Star, who beat this horse. This horse ran second by a short head to Voyage Star when I backed him uh, two weeks ago, and Voyage Star led uh, very very slow tempo and and kicked away. In the in around the home turn and uh, breeze of spring nearly ran him down and breeze of spring that day was drawn I think barrier five yeah he was drawn barrier five but he was quite unlucky in the in the run he actually ended up three wide no cover the whole uh, the whole trip and and ended up almost running down the uh, the horse that I backed as best value uh, by a short head went down by a short head Maria was on that day the horse is second up now he's drawn much much better in barrier two. I think he'll uh, he'll be a little bit a little bit more forward this time because I think it was a little bit funny that race. Joe Marrero wasn't uh, too aggressive with the horse. He didn't he didn't look like he was he was uh, urgent enough in my opinion to find a, a handy spot, and that's a little bit of the reason why I think he ended up three wide. But from barrier two, he'll probably find the rail. He definitely won't be three wide because there's only one horse under him. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm quite keen quite keen on Breeze of Spring. He's been flying. He was flying at the end of last prep. His trials have been great. So there's there's nothing to sort of turn me off him. And then there's just another horse that I wanted to briefly mention. I've got no idea what odds he'll open up, uh, but it's in the next race, race seven. And this is an all weather all weather race. It's number three Ultra Express. This horse hasn't had any experience on the all weather track. He's trialed on it and trialed well. Um, under his own steam, he, he was never pushed out in in his lead up trials uh, for this for his first up run this season. But he's he's drawn barrier ten um, on the all weather track. It doesn't usually matter where you're drawn too much. Um, there's a little bit less of a of a sort of favour to the inside draws on the all weather track. So I think the way he's been trialing looks like he's still got plenty plenty more to give. And the fact that he won his his two races at the end of last season by uh, both one and a half lengths, roughly, uh, under Joe Marrera, gives me gives me quite a bit of confidence that this horse has a lot more uh, rating points in hand in Hong Kong. And um, as long as he handles the all weather track, I think he'll go very very close to winning this race. Uh, it it still depends whether I'll tip him uh, what price he opens, but I'm keeping an eye on him. So my my best bet is definitely race six, number eleven, Breeze of Spring, and I think he'll be very short. He'll definitely open up favourite um, in this race, but also, just keep an eye on race seven, number three, Ultra Express. Beautiful. That's it for the Hong Kong hero. He's been in red hot form recently. So I'd be following those tips with interest on Sunday at Shartin. All right, we've got to head to, before Shartin, we've got to head to Caulfield on Saturday. I can't wait for this. 
Um, track assessment, weather, 23 deg- uh, deg- degrees. Degrees. <laughs> no, degrees, mate. Degrees. <laughs> um, 23, cloudy, uh, bit of showers on the forecast, zero to four millimetres. So obviously, if we get zero millimetres, it won't matter. But if we get four millimetres, it might um, matter a little bit. But uh, the rail is in the true position. Um, the track's currently a soft five. Um, however, it is drying out. So I'm a little unsure what this track's got to be like. I guess it, it's very hard trusting the Bureau currently. But uh, if, I had to get, if I had to guess, I'd say good four. I don't even think four millimetres would be enough to even turn this track into a, into a soft track. Um, any expected track bias just quickly, Blake? Um, not, not particularly. I think, um, uh, same sort of, same sort of idea with Randwick. I think uh, a little bit more traffic on Caulfield, obviously you have the bigger fields, this whole, this whole card and, and we're obviously looking at race eight and nine. So by that stage, I think it'll be pretty fair, especially in the big races. Uh, I think most, most of the time, best horse wins in, in these events. And I don't expect the bias to be playing too much of a role in those big races. Beautiful. All right, we're going to head to our first race that we'll be covering at Caulfield. It'll be race eight, the Group 1 Caulfield Guineas over the mile for the three-year-olds. Straight off the bat, Blake, obviously there's two horses that head the market here in Animo and Artorias. Whose camp do you currently sit in? Mm, The clash of the the big boys here. Um, A's, M&M's, AA's. Yeah, that's it. So they they both obviously come out of of the the run at Rose Hill. Sorry. What's that? I just said AA Ron, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it. So um, yeah. So they so they obviously both come out of the same run uh, last time over the fourteen hundred. Now they're stepping up to the mile, and the way that Artorias finished off in that race, and and Jason, you mentioned to me briefly as well before that he was a little bit unlucky um, <laughs> coming around the turn with with Remark just completely falling into what I think it was Remark falling into his lap. Coming around the turn, so he ended up having to go like five extra horse widths wide around the around the end of that turn. But yeah, no, Arturius was completely and utterly storming home in that race. So uh, naturally, I'm just leaning the way of him. And obviously, he's drawn barrier two. Animo's got fifteen. So I think uh, all all of these uh, these factors favour Arturius for me in this race. What about you? Yeah, um, Hueth Bowman didn't really do. Um... Artorius any favours by pulling up Remark and bloody sending him like 25 wide, which forced Artorius to have a 25 wide. But yeah, like for a horse to make that much ground, he's done it twice now at Rose Hill. He's got back to last. It was the slipper and the Rose now in both golden, in the golden series, as we just, as I just called it there. I don't know. I don't even know what that's called, but whatever. Um, yeah, like, damn, like the, the, the ground he made up was just retarded. Like, <laughs> Wrong word to use. Sorry about that. Pardon, pardon the pun. But um, yeah, he did said he was like two or three lengths faster than Animo the last, you know, 200 meters there. So um, he's 1092. was actually, I think the fastest of them. Actually, no, it wasn't the fastest of the meeting. Ice Bath was the fastest of the meeting, but I think it was second fastest of the meeting. Um, mm. I'm against you with the barriers. I don't think, I think the barrier, I know Animo is drawn 15, but I sort of feel like it's in his favor because he has the option to go forward here because this race is kind of devoid of speed. I don't think Animo... Oh, I don't know. Like, I feel like if I was riding him personally, and this is maybe why I'm not riding, other than the fact that I'm like six foot two, but um, I just, you got to take the chance here and go forward. Treat him like the best horse in the race. Do exactly what, um, who did it? James McDonald did it on the Autumn Sun two years ago in this race. He went forward, Autumn Sun sat three wide, no cover, and bloused him. You got to treat Animo exactly like that. 
Whereas Artorius drawing barrier two is probably a negative, you know, um, because he just flops out of the gates. And, you know, unless he somehow jumps tomorrow, um, don't get me wrong, I'm on, I, I am on Artorius, which is a bit stupid of me saying that. I just couldn't find anything. I couldn't, I don't think there's any value in Animo. And I don't think there's much value in Artorius either. It's not a race that I really particularly want to bet into. But um, I found a common form line with um, Mr. Mozart. He's the one that I want to play here. Um, I remember seeing Mr. Mozart. We were both there, Blake, at Warwick Farm that day. I remember mm-hmm. I had him as um, pick of the R that day, and he actually scored a good victory. I, I didn't expect to see him line up in a Caulfield Guineas like six months later. But um, now that he's here, welcome in, Mr. Mozart, because you're actually my on-top selection this race. I think, I think at the value... Um, I think he's about 13, 14 to one, most bookmakers. He actually beat home Artorias two starts back listed company um, at Flemington, o- obviously over the 1400 meters. Um, and he might be a little bit vulnerable at the 1600 meters here late. Um, but that, that run the other night behind Forgot You, and I know you're in Forgot You's camp, Blake, but I thought that run the other night um, was really good because um, that horse on the inside, Sandy Prince, they went quite fast and Daily Bugle actually kicked up um, at the jump just to push Mitsu Mozart wide and make him work. And, you know, he probably had no right to be there at the end of the race and he was still there. So it makes me think that he can actually run out the mile. Um, I like John McNeil booked. He's a, he's a big race jockey. I like the gate. I like where he's got to get to. He's probably got a box seat here with lights that we're going forward. I think the other one at odds that I was sort of somewhat looking at was Alpine edge. I was on him last time. I thought he was a bit unlucky. Uh, the blinkers do go on, but I did, I did look. The only run that he had the blinkers on was that run where he lost to Animo. So I'm like, eh. you know, he's already lost that gallop with the blinkers on. So it's not really got to do anything, really, in my opinion. So I'm with Mr. Mozart and I'm with Artorius. So that, that's all I'm going to say on the race. Blake, you take it away and then we'll head into the next race. Yeah, thanks, Chase. I, I tend to agree. I think, um, yeah, that, that, uh, that day we saw Mr. Mozart, we were... We're spending some time with a very well-respected uh, colleague and oh. friend, and uh, he was, he was, he was said he was pretty happy with the horse in the yard. And I and I do just want to mention that I, I mean, I I, I can't one hundred percent remember what all of these horses look like. There's obviously a lot of them in the field, but from what I've seen, I think Mr. Mozart is probably the flashiest type in this race, and he's probably one of the best-looking horses in this race. He's he's an he's like a typical schnitzel. He's, he's he's hot he's hot mm. um and yeah i i do agree i think that that run last time at the valley over the 1600 um it was 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 definitely uh you know you know it was it was it was a run to be respected yeah um i think if he if he does you know he might even he, he might even get a little bit of a softer run this time uh from barrier eight you know if he, if he finds a little bit of cover behind another horse or two he might actually be able to finish off uh, having that second run now at the mile. Um, so I, I don't want to let him go around without me having something on him. That said, I think Forgot You is going to end up a better horse than, than Mr. Mozart. And I also think that that run by Forgot You last time at the Valley was pretty exceptional to my eye, at least. Um, the horse... The horse was a little bit flat-footed and, and sort of held up a little bit behind some runners coming around the turn. And and that very, very short straight at Mooney Valley, it looked like it took Forgot You a little bit of time just to find his feet coming around that tight turn. And with that very, very short straight, he he absolutely let down to find the line very, 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 very well. So I, I've got no problem with Forgot You finding the line again at 1600 at Caulfield. 
it's a it's a much roomier track, so I don't think he'll struggle coming around the corner, and he'll, he'll be able to wind up a little bit more. And and for me, uh, I, I I have quite an opinion of of forgot you. I think he will end up being uh, probably one of the best horses out of this race, and and one of the best uh, horses out of this three year old crop that we've got going around. He's a very very nice type. Um, so I'm, I'm quite keen on Forgot You and obviously I'm, I'm having a little bit on Mr. Mozart because I like both of their runs at, at Mooney Valley. Um, the other one is, is obviously Artorias. Now, in terms of the barrier, I am of the opinion that this is a very, very good setup for Artorias. I think that even though he can be slow away, this is, and, and like you said, Jason, there's, there's not too much speed in this race. I, I have a... I have a sneaking suspicion that Artorias won't have to get too, too far back. Now, obviously, if he if he misses the kick, then he'll, he'll probably be very close to last. But over the mile, there's not going to be too many horses that are absolutely dropping the handlebars coming out of the barriers. And so I think that gives Artorias a little bit of an opportunity to be level away with, with some of the horses that are around him. And given he's got barrier two, he's going to do absolutely no work in the run. Um, obviously, he'll need the luck coming around the turn but in previous uh in previous runs of this race you know in previous years there have been plenty of cases of horses finding the gaps late in the big field because you do end up seeing you know some of the less fancied runners in the race you know opening up those gaps on the inside so i think you know you've got horses that are like not like knightstown's drawn drawn four and he's 151 to one he's 150 to one get out of the um, way <laughs> exactly like that's that's Ooh. i mean that's something that i i can i can envisage happening in the straight like horses like that will will tire and obviously just don't have the same same ability or haven't shown the same ability as as you know artorius or uh, animo so i think if those horses do start to drop off and artorius can just sneak in hit one of those hit one of those gaps he's gonna have to go around like one or two horses potentially if, if he gets the, the real, real luck. But I mean, I don't even think he has to be that lucky to, to find a gap and, and go around half the field. Whereas Animo, it's a little bit of a like, which, which way, you know, you're between a rock and a hard place, I think, from that barrier. I think if Animo goes forward, he's going to have to be mighty, mighty, mighty tough to win. Um, the Autumn Sun is... Like I wouldn't compare the Autumn Sun to pretty much any other three-year-old, at least not in this, not this year. There's no like Animo. Animo is a great, great horse. Don't get me wrong, and he's he's proven to be one of the best three-year-olds that we've got this year. But the Autumn Sun was was in a completely different postcode to to Animo, in my opinion. And it, even then, the Autumn Sun did end up getting very, very close to the lead and only sat too wide towards the end of the race. So it wasn't. Although it was a, a great performance, I, I can't see Animo doing that. I, like Lightsaber will go forward. Mr. Mozart will probably kick up somewhere. Tiger of Malay is not going to give up the lead very easily from barrier one. So there's going to be at least three or four horses that are trying to keep their position ahead of Animo. And that means that, I mean, I find it very, very hard to not see Animo landing three wide if they do go forward. And if they go back, Animo is going to be the one that has to swoop the entire field where Artorias can potentially pinch a little little sneaky run underneath them. So I'd, I'd rather side with Artorias, especially the way he finished off last start. Uh, that's just me. But, yeah, th those are the three for me. Artorias, Mr. Mozart, and Forgot You.
Yeah, well, I think everyone can agree Artorius deserves a bit of change of luck because um, <laughs> whereas Animo has been the one that's sort of sliced and diced runners, Artorius has been the one that's had to yeah, do, do the hard work around the outside. Everything looks like the change here. Um, regardless, got to head to the last race that we're covering. Race nine, the two-rack handicap, group one, mile handicap. We love a mile handicap. Um, current favorite is I am Thunderstruck or I'm Thunderstruck. I'll, I'll call him I am Thunderstruck for now, but because um, I want to feel that on the weekend. I want to feel Thunderstruck. But um, uh, th- does he deserve to be a $2.70 favorite in your opinion, Blake? Uh, this is this is a tough one, Jace, because you know on on one hand, you know that that last run over the fourteen hundred meters, he probably could have gone very close, if not one, had he not got that bump on the turn. Um, it's up, it's obviously up for debate, and no one's ever going to know because he he did cop a little bit a little bit of bad luck there. Uh, but given that he gets the extra two hundred meters, he's drawn much much better now. John McNeil sticks and the horse stays on 52 kilos where the horses like Sierra Sue and Dice Roll both go up in weight, especially Sierra Sue. Like that's, hmm. that's a massive, massive uh, increase, increase in weight compared to one Thunderstruck. So on that, on that uh, sort of side of side of things, you'd say he does deserve to be that short and favorite, especially considering he was favorite in the other race as well. But I, I, I don't like the pattern for him. And um, I'm hesitant to be very, very confident at the price just because of the, the racing pattern that he has. Um, so this, yeah, I guess there's two sides or two ways of looking at it. Um, which, which way are you leaning, Jace? Yeah, heavily in his corner. Heavily in his corner here. Um, I think the biggest question mark from I'm Thunderstruck, I'm Thunderstruck, so I can say I am Thunderstruck. I'm Thunderstruck last time was, we both had the same question mark. We saw him at $9, drawing barrier 16, first time in group, first time in group company, let alone group one company. And we're like, you know, this has got to either make and break him. And when I saw the money coming for him on Saturday, I was thinking, what the hell are people doing? You take you're taking, he got he started $4. He almost, I'm pretty sure he almost started favorite in that race. It was just ridiculous amount of money that was on him, considering where he was going to get to, considering it was his first time against proper horses. And Jeez, he was an absolute moral beat, in my opinion. He was, yeah, the money was spot on. Like, you couldn't even get it any more spot on than what it was. He, was, he dead set got in a bumping duel. And I feel like, Blake, if you were on him that day, your tune would have changed a lot. But because you're on Dice Roll and Sierra Sue, you're, you're probably very thankful that he got in that bumping duel because the sectionals that he reeled off late in that race were just, poor. like, yeah. Anyway, he, he's he's so well in on that, in this race. Being, uh, I think the thing is the two-rack has always been a race where you want to have that lightly raced horse, where you want to have the horse, uh, generally probably a four-year-old. I think um, he just profiles so well for this race. I think eight of the last 10 winners have come through the Sir Rupert Clark. Um, so, And generally the best run for the Sir Rupert Clark's actually won this race. So um, I don't know. I don't even know how to structure what I'm about to say, but you know, I've already just said a lot of things, but I think the main thing is he drew barrier 16 of 16 last time. They weren't going to go forward and they weren't going to do anything. And, and he actually begun as well as anything. Oh, not as well as anything, but he begun midfield. And from barrier four, 52 kilos and he's back. There's no chance he's going back to last. I can guarantee you that he will be, he'll be midfield with cover. Guaranteed, guaranteed. If anything, they could even push him forward. I don't think they would, because I still think they want him to run out the mile and find his feet and blah, blah, blah. But if anything, when this horse has drawn a good barrier, 
he has shown that he can actually sit. He's actually, he's first up when it's sale. He actually sat midfield cover easy, almost one out, one back. So, and that was when he drew barrier two. The, the problem with him, he's drawn barrier 16 of 16, barrier eight of 10 and barrier 12 of 13 in his last three runs. So, you know, he's got this back marker tag when he's not really a back marker. He's probably more of a midfield horse, in my opinion, when, especially when he draws well. Um, as you've already said, he meets Sierra Sue four kilos better off at the weights. Um, here's a little stat for you. Um, over the last 20 years, only two mares have actually won this race. So, and Tafane carrying the weight that she's carrying, if she wins, I'll give it up, like dead set. Like, first of all, I don't think she's a mile horse. I think 1,400 metres is a cap. And second of all, she has to carry 58 kilos. She, she's giving I'm Thunderstruck six kilos. It's just, I know she's a good horse. She's a group one horse and she's coming out of all the right races. But, you know, enough's enough in my opinion. Get out of here, Tafana. You're not doing anything this weekend. But um, <laughs> and like, I'll just be honest with you. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll paint it how I see it. If he gets beat, I've got no idea what I'm doing. So I, I, everything lines up for me. Profiles so well, maps perfectly in my opinion. And he can, as long as he gets even luck, he should shit in real life. Just dead set. Honesty from Jason Campbell here. I'm Thunderstruck to shit in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're, you're pretty, pretty right there, Jason. Pretty I'm pretty passionate about this one. I'll do, <laughs> I'll do the form on Saturday night at like 12 o'clock. That's why I've anyway. Definitely. Definitely. No, I, I yeah, I agree. I, I'm Thunderstruck is the one to beat and, and I've, I've lent that way as well. Um, but you mentioned Tafane and and I can't let Tafane go around purely because I was skeptical of the mile and I didn't think that the mile run for Tafane last time going down 1.1 lengths to incentivize, although it was more of, I guess, a, a sprinting sort of affair. I can't see, I can't let Tafane go around now knowing that she didn't completely die over the mile last time. Um, she's got barrier three, which is perfect. If she drew, if she drew any wider than like five, I'd probably not be touching her because she's got the weight. But the fact that she's got barrier three, she's probably going to find the rail, if not be one off, and be very, very close to speed. And they like, who's Williams is not going to let Tafane get back midfield at all. Like he just won't because if she gets too far back, I'm Thunderstruck is going to just out sprint her and just mow her down. The only way Tafane wins is if she gets the gets the head start on them and a few just get unlucky, which which I mean is not out of the question in such a big field. So I, I can't let Tafane go around given that. And the other mayor, Sierra Sue, uh, I can't let her I can't let her go around either because I've been with her and I love the horse. She's just she's done everything right for me. She's done every single thing right up to now. And she's obviously hit a serious serious vein of form like we were I, I remember speaking about Sierra Sue a few a few runs ago saying you know there's been a lot of hype about her before in in previous preparations and people saying this and saying that she's going to be a great horse she's got this potential and and she just never sort of brought it to the races now she has she 110% has even over the 1400 meters of call for the last time I know you know most people believe and I can definitely agree to some extent that I'm Thunderstruck was unlucky and, and might've won that race or would have won that race. But Sierra Sue was finishing off very, very well through the line. Obviously I'm Thunderstruck was far much further back in, in the run. So he was, he put in a much harder run, you know, in, the, in those final few hundred meters, but Sierra Sue found a, found a great sprint to hit the line. 
and 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 run over dice rolls. So I I can't let those two go around. They're the quality in the field, and that's why they've got the big weight. But um, I, yeah, I can't see them running bad races uh, personally. But yeah, I I think I'm thunderstruck with 52 kilos and the and the barrier on what he did last time will be very very hard to beat. I just had to had to play some value because I I'm not convinced that you know, it's a hundred percent guarantee that I'm Thunderstruck gets the right, gets the right runs and, and gets the luck in this race. So yeah, I just had to be play with a little bit of caution in this race. Beautiful. All right. That wraps up our race previews for this week. We're going to head to our competitions. Now our viewers competition, um, unfortunately, Elliot and Viv Richards, Viv Richards, Viv, Viv Richards, I'm joking. Vivian Blackmore Moore. He, um, they both bowed out last week. So unlucky gentlemen, um, just update the standings now. Harry Whiteman currently sits first, and he's been there for a long time, Harry, uh, with $420. And Cody is second with $390. Um, we got three people joining us this week. So very exciting for these three people to get on the, the infamous um, Campbell's Gambles podcast. But um, Harrison, oh, I've, got to, I've got to ruin this last name. Uh, you know what, Harrison D, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. Um, Spring champion, we gave him this race, and he is—he's elected to have fifty dollars on Profondo the win, and he's got fifty dollars on French Empire the place. So he's obviously taking the form line from Profondo's um, fourteen hundred meter win on debut at Kensington. Um, the Caulfield Guineas goes to Charlie Wilkinson. He's got sixty dollars the win on Alpine Edge, and forty dollars the win on Hitetsu. So he's obviously just said, stuff the favourites. I'm just going to back some roughy. And you know, if one of them wins, then I'm up the leaderboard. And I don't mind that in this race because the Caulfield Guineas has um, thrown a result or two out. And, you know, Alpine Edge, I've got him around fourth or fifth pick there. So good luck to you, Charlie. And for the two-rack handicap, James Reid, he's been, he's been loving the podcast. He's commenting every single week. I've been seeing him here. So we've got him on for his hard work and his effort. Um, he's got $100 on Elephantos. So... Um, <laughs> The big elephant, um, he's back. We didn't really mention too much about elephant. I, I have him second pick in this race. I think he's weighted well enough to, to go close, but I think James Reed's close enough to the money there. Um, regardless, we're going to head to our competitions now. Um, the $100 competition between JC and Blake. I'm making some ground on you, surely, but slowly. But <laughs> I don't know if I'm taking the fist. You're making now, me but... nervous, Jason. You're making me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> say, don't let me get too close because, you know, you might get a bit of lolly legs here. So, um, I'm at minus $242 and Blake's dropped down to $237.50. Um, for the spring champion, I'm having $50 the win on head of state and $25 each way on Allegron. Yeah, I, I think I think this week, Jason, it might be a little bit hard for you to make too much ground on me because we've got very, very similar picks in every race. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm with I'm with the same uh, the same runners or one of the same. I got 50 on head of uh, head of state. And then I've got 15 each way on Benno and 10 each way on Satirical Glory. Yep. So I'm just hoping Allegron wins. Uh, <laughs> Caulfield Guineas. I've got 50 the win on Artorius and 25 each way on Mr. Mozart. Very similar for me. I've got 50 to win on Artorius, 10 each way on Mr. Mozart and 15 each way on Forgot You. In the two rack, I've got my whole $100 on I'm Thunderstruck the win. Maybe a bit of a... Uh, Spoiler alert for things later in the show. Too easy. And I'm playing a little bit, I don't know if you could say safer, but I'm, I'm you know, having a few more speculative bets and, and 
sort of spreading my money around a little bit. I'm having 40 to win on I'm Thunderstruck. I still think he's the one to beat. 15 each way on Tefane and 15 each way on, on Sierra Sue. Beautiful. All right, Blake, best bets. Uh, there is one that I'm quite keen on actually this week, and it's in race five at Ramwick. Uh, Palele, Palele, Palel, however you want to, however you want to put the name. He's, uh, he's, I, I've actually seen, I looked it up because I had a sneaking suspicion when I saw him favored in this race. Um, there's talk of him potentially getting the Everest slot for, for Godolphin if he runs well in this race. Um, he, he obviously ran second to home affairs last time. Uh, that was a huge, huge run wide, um, nearly got him. I think it was, it was a great run. Oh no, it was 1.8 lengths, but it was a great run from Barry 10. And I think coming to Randwick with the 1200 meters in his favor, he's going to be extremely hard to beat here. I, I, especially considering Godolphin are potentially considering taking him to the Everest if he runs well, that tells me that they're pretty confident this horse has some like damn good ability if they're even considering like otherwise they would have just they would have just put trekking in already i think yeah. um that's there's no real other contenders that Godolphin will be weighing up so um the fact that the fact that they're doing that and you know the the, the type of race that Palel gets here i think he's going to be very very hard to beat for me so it's Palel in race five at Ramwick. beautiful blake Here's another bit of a Jason off-filtered, couldn't give a shit take. Mate, it's got to be an absolute shit year. Like the Everest this year is terrible, straight up. If you got <laughs> if you got Polelli or Polella or whatever you want to call him and Home Affairs as the two three-year-olds going into the race, then give it up. Like some of the horses are getting selected this year. Like, come on now. Like, oh, mate, Wild Roller. I know he won the other night, but come on now. And then what was the other one? The Inferno? Oh, my God. It's a terrible race this year. It's nothing like the races we've had the last couple of years. And for that reason, the horses that are atop the market are going to be extremely hard to beat, in my opinion. That's yeah, just my I opinion. Agree. I think it's just yeah. shit. This is the worst edition of the Everest. It's terrible. No depth whatsoever. Um, I think I think it's a race in five. I think Classique Legend, Nature Strip, Mask Crusader, Eduardo, and Gitra are the, yeah, the I agree. I agree. 100%. I thought Gitra was the one. Then I watched a trial the other day, and everyone's saying, oh, the trial, you know, he trials like that. I'm thinking... Yeah, I know he trials like that, but fuck, it was bad. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll to Jason. He's going rogue. Um, All right, hit us with your best bet. Oh, my best bet. Um, thunder. <laughs> that's, that's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else. We're going, we're, yeah, I don't even know where he's racing, but he's, I think you already got the, the take on that. Th I am Thunderstruck at uh, Caulfield. Turak Handicap. Profiles win this race. Keen on him all week. Have to back him. Uh, there might be something else though, because um, if you want the other picks, you got to buy the Saturday racing package. Like, I don't know how many times I need to say it. Last week we won, the week before we won, the week before we won, the week before we didn't win, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we always keep all our results. We're very honest. You can find our results at cginsight.com.au on the winning stats um, menu, whatnot. You go to our Google Sheets and you can see our results and what we're trading at and our winning percentage and our uh, return on investment, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd suggest buying it. You know, I think it's a pretty good oh, one. It's got to be a no-brainer. It's yeah. got to be a no-brainer if you're three weeks straight and, you know, you get oh, the yeah. scoop. You get the scoop. He does the work. He puts in the hours. Mate, I, I, get the like the other, the other week, three and a half thousand words. Like, come on, man. Like, you so know, 30, 30 bucks. You're paying like bloody one cent a word, you know? 
you know, it's, but, um, you know, head to the social medias at Campbell's Gambles, Instagram and Facebook. If you don't know how to use the website yet, we've had the website there for six months, but there's still some people that don't know how to use it. Um, give me a DM. <laughs> I'll run you through it. And uh, yeah, just cheer home Pulele. If you're not going to buy a, uh, a package, Pulele and uh, I'm Thunderstruck. They're the two that Blake and I have. I think Pulele, great bet. Three from three at the track. And Rose Hill, completely different track to Randwick, just different dimensions and whatnot. And Randwick's his track. Rose Hill isn't his track. Rose Hill's on a backmarker's track. Randwick is more of a backmarker's track. So definitely. That's about it, Blake. It's a bit of a quick show, even though we even though I've just pushed it on again for another 10 minutes for no reason there. But um <laughs> I keep doing it. I keep saying let's make it short, but I'm the one who fucking keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. But it's just too exciting. There's just there's just too much good racing. Like we got to narrow it down to three races now because we just talk for too long if there's yeah. too many races. Like We could have talked about the whole card in Sydney and Melbourne this week. Oh, there's so much good racing. It would have taken a whole week to finish. Would have kept talking. <laughs> race nine would have finished by the time we finished. But, um, oh, dead um, set, dead set. Yeah. No, next week's the biggest week of the, of the racing year so far. Um, the mm. Everest Day, Kosciuszko, um, Caulfield Cup. Huge day. Can't wait for next week. It's so, only going to get harder to keep the keep the time limit down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, never mind. I'll just put a just gag myself or whatever. Or, or just put a 1.5 times speed and yeah, just keep right over it. Anyway, I appreciate <laughs> you coming on board again, Blake. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening once again. Join us next week. As I said, massive day. It will be our special Everest um, podcast, I guess. We might do a runner by runner preview and just you know then i can talk more shit about these three rods <laughs> <laughs> all right Blake, i'll leave you to it best of luck on the punt and listeners best of luck to you